a question for you, Tom, and for the world. And I hope that we all can take this seriously. This isn't a joke. No, not at all. This isn't a goof. Trying to approach it from a very clinical angle. What do Sonic's feet look like? Well, that's a good question, Liam. Because he's anthropomorphized. He does have huge fucking human hands. And super skinny, noodly-like spaghetti legs. Actually, you know what? Come to think of it, we don't actually know what Sonic's hands look like either. He's never taken those gloves off. Sonic Unleashed. Oh, yeah, but well, no, he wolfs out. He wolfs out in that. And when he reverts back into his, uh, like, I guess, hedgehog his form. His hedgehog state, Yeah, of you know, his hedgehog form. Hmm. Um, He has the gloves magically back on. It's kind of like Bruce Banner's purple pants. Gotcha. But I guess at the root of all this is what do Sonic's feet look like? Does he have toenails? He's What if he has ten on each foot? Two stories of toenails. Oh, God. Oh, yuck. And that's where the Mucinex guy lives. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I'm thinking of the the, yellow friend. Yeah. That's (laughs) not his name. He's not really a friend. And he's He's not a friend. He's an enemy. He is the the, the calcified gunk under your toenail. And he's like, wow, I'm delicious. And then he lifts up your toenail like a hinge. (laughs) Which was super painful. This is medium ages. And we're offering... Uh, Are we? <laughs> yeah, we're offering a reward, a yet-to-be-determined reward, okay. if you can deliver us what Sonic's feet look like. Uh, okay, no, 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 hang on a second. If you, this is not a joke, if you write in with a drawing of Sonic's feet, I will write a short song about it, and Liam will record it, Yep. and that will be your reward. Yep. All right, anyways, this is Media Majors, a podcast about two nasty boys. Who liked uh, one nasty boy and his fun friend Liam? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the nasty boy Tom. I really like uh, stories from the the world of games and internet culture. I'm Liam Senior. Uh, I'm a Capricorn, which is a lie, and I like stories about show business. And every week we sit down around this here uh, microcast that to... I that I lit on fire, yeah. so it's a little campfire. Ooh, hear it crackle and burn. We are gonna we are gonna asphyxiate by the end of this program. His his crackle and burn. Smoke smoke. Don't inhale me. Nailed it. And every week uh, we tell each other stories from our preferred mediums centered around a theme. This week the theme is for the fans. And Liam, I believe you're going first. Sure am, Tom. Uh, quick trigger warning before I start my story. Uh, there's some, um, I'd say, like, emotional family abuse. Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Ab- abuse, uh, not ma- mostly emotional, but, like, I, I don't know. If that's not your jam, yeah. s- skip skip maybe, like, the first half of mine. It's about one of those bad dads that, that doesn't let his family leave a home, you know? Yeah. yeah. And now to when Tom didn't know the story. (laughs) So eight years ago, in 2010, Mm -hmm. Crystal Moselle is an NYU grad, go Violets, and filmmaker was walking down First Avenue in New York. That's not a thing we do. When six... (laughs) If you go into New York, no, no, this is a fact. Anybody listening, if you go into New York and you shout, go Violets, in the street... Uh, you'll be beaten within an inch of your life by a child. Sure will. And that that child will have richer parents than yeah. you'll ever hope to be. His name is Baron. <laughs> Not that Baron, though. Uh, she was walking down First Avenue in New York City when six boys ran past her. 
Struck by their intriguing appearance, she chased them down and introduced herself to what turned out to be the Angulo brothers. Wow, this is the first time that a woman has ever approached a man like that. Uh, now ranging in ages from 16 to 23. I think they were like maybe a couple years younger around the time of this. Moselle and the brothers bonded over their love of cinema, and she, sh- and she soon learned about their huge collection of home movies in which they reenact their favorite films with sets, props, and costumes made from whatever was lying around. Oh, that's awesome. It turns out yoga mats make an effective Batman suit. But it wasn't until a year later that she learned she was their first friend ever. Really? Because what she didn't know, and what she made a documentary about that I highly recommend, we're just going to do a little brief thing, because it's, uh, we're just going to do a little brief summary. summary. Because the movie is mostly about like her experience in meeting the family, and like she's not. That we're focusing on this group of brothers. <laughs> it's just six brothers. It's just six brothers. So, quote from Crystal Moselle: At first, I thought that it would be this sweet little film about these kids making movies and figure out figuring out how to get into the movie business. That changed when she learned that the brothers had lived virtually their entire lives locked inside a four-bedroom apartment on the Lower East Side at oh the insistence God. of their paranoid father, who also kept their mother confined. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I, I, we're gonna. I'm gonna put a trigger warning okay. at the end of this, but I, 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 I had to surprise me. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like in this situation you can handle yeah. it. So, uh, in in 1989, Oscar Angulo was uh, living in his home country of Peru when he met and fell in love with Suzanne, a wandering hippie fleeing the Midwest on the path to Machu Picchu. They went traveling together and wound up at a Hare Krishna Center in West Virginia, where their first four children were born in the space of two years. Damn. Two of them were twins. Two of them were twins. I was going to say, fuck, yeah, damn. Uh, The Hare Krishna community did not fulfill the bulk of Oscar's spiritual needs, uh, so they traveled around in a van because their dad wanted to be a rock star. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what, a cl- what a classic dude maneuver, making everybody else's life miserable to keep up their own nothing. By the 90s, they ended up in the Lower East Side, and two years later, they were pretty much set there. Oscar was so wary of the city's dangers, he kept the sole key to the apartment for himself. Suzanne was allowed to take the children out to occasional doctor's appointments. Then the family lived on government subsidy that she collected from homeschooling them. So he didn't like Hare Krishna anymore, so he decided to make his own version. Oh, okay. What a classic, again, classic dude maneuver. His model was the god Krishna, who had 10 children by each of his 16,000 plus wives, so that's why Oscar had so many kids. Mm -hmm. He gave them Sanskrit uh, Sanskrit names. So they weren't weren't Peruvian, like his name. They weren't... American or English, like the country or he'd been living in, or Suzanne's heritage, they were Sanskrit. And they also had long whip-like tails of hair that uh, they weren't allowed to cut. So they would all have, like, long... Kind of like a rat tail sort situation. Of, yeah. Ooh, they, they had, love a long rat tail. They had seven children in total. Bhagavan, Govinda, uh, Narayana, Mukunda, Krishna, Jagadesh, and their sister, Vishnu, their sister. Oh, sorry, their sister. Because <laughs> uh, her name is Visnu. Yeah. I mean, that's seven children and two parents in a Lower East Side 
where I used to live, oh, apartment, man. in that really shitty small shoebox apartment. I remember that apartment. I remember taking a shower and looking up and being like, man, those ex- I could I could spit on those exposed wires. Sure could. So given that they hardly ever left that apartment while growing up, you know, they are not, they were not raised traditionally. Uh, every year was unpredictable, Mukunda says. In the summer, there was more of a chance of us getting out. Sometimes we'd go out nine times a year, sometimes once. And in one particular year, we never got out at all. That's very sad. So what the boys actually spent their days doing, and what makes this story super incredible, is that they just watched movies. Uh, You'd think that any parent who kept his children under lock and key to shield them from the evils of the world would, like, keep pop culture away but he like would get dozens upon dozens of videotapes for them of like everybody well i feel like i feel like uh uh, overprotective parents um don't really know how to handle media at all because it's all very different and they don't i mean like my mom literally just sent a text message to me today that was like I heard about this crazy thing called indeed.com on the radio and i was like yeah mom thanks (laughs) So they would transcribe their favorite lines in a notebook and perform it. Uh, they, the documentary about them cuts to like them redoing the opening from Reservoir Dogs. Uh, they have they made all their props themselves. Uh, Mukunda does the Mr. Blonde da- sequence with the ear. They made like the knife out of tinfoil, but and, and it looks. I mean, for fan-made stuff, it looks very good. They've watched over five thousand movies. Wow! Holy shit! Uh, their father picked a lot of the movies, so it was a lot of Tarantino and Nolan and Scorsese. Mm, yeah, yeah, that that tracks. That tracks with this dude. The boys do not come off as broy film douches. They're very soft spoken. They're a little timid. They're you know they're just they ra- they've been raised in a hectic, terrible environment, yeah. and 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 uh, their uh, their only escape is is cinema, which is all about escape. The prop guns were so convincing that a SWAT team once raided their apartment after oh neighbors God. reported them. And it's weird because like. They were denied, out of fear, a normal childhood, a normal upbringing. But they were given movies and pop culture, which are flooded with hyperviolence and, and you know... Uh, and Just, like, windows out into sort of, like, imperfect uh, reflections of society that also kind of fuel its narratives. Exactly. Man, that would be very interesting. I wonder, yeah, I wonder what sort of uh, ideas and such they have about people and socialization in the world as a result of this they probably have a lot of empathy maybe i would hope so at yeah least. when he was 15 mukunda walked out of the apartment while oscar was buying groceries there was no elaborate system of locks to break or alarms to dismantle he just opened the door and went in case his father should see him on the street he wore a michael myers mask that uh, <laughs> from the movie halloween <laughs> You know what, maybe it is a good thing that they lived in the Lower East Side. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like no one would really bother him around the Lower East Side, although someone did call the police. Uh, Mukunda was taken to a mental ward where he spent two weeks before being released back into his family's care, which he prob- which was probably a-, a little bit better, I guess. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. After he was able to get outside, he had to get more. So they ventured out together, united, uh, in the face of... Sorry, so the boys began venturing out together, and Oscar, like, gave up on trying to keep them out. Uh, like, once they just banded together and realized that, that like, there's six there's of us six and of one us of you. We're all big. On one of their first trips, they ran into Crystal Moselle down First Avenue. That was their first friend. Oh, that's very nice. That's very sweet. That's very... Uh, 
I don't typically, I'm, I don't typically make friends by being like, you look interesting, I'm gonna follow you and talk to you. But the thing is, is for this movie, she, like, was able to take them places. They go to the beach at Coney Island, they go apple picking, Aww. they, like, go through the forest, they go to a movie, at a movie theater. Oh, cool. Which is huge to them. They cut their hair. They go get <laughs> haircuts. Uh, all but one still live in the family apartment. None of them speak to Oscar. Uh, the youngest two have actually taken their mother's maiden name. Uh, so their mom is completely transformed by their son's escape. She, after 30 years, she like totally violates all of Oscar's rules. She contacted her family. Oh, that's very good. That's yeah. awesome. Good. Yeah, fuck that guy. What the fuck is the matter with him? Yep. She ta- In the documentary, she talks to her mother on the phone, who she hadn't been in touch with for 20 years. And Mukunda actually shot this scene because he felt like it was really important for the documentary. Because And then he says, mom is the hero of the story. Because, all the, yeah, because I would she imagine, kept them all like yeah, it was yeah. it was eight versus one that she's that she was the person who was like all right this is this my husband is the pits. They all kind of changed their names. Uh, Jagadisa is now Eddie. Krishna is now Glenn. Makunda did a TED Teen talk, and uh, he said uh, before I walked out the front door, my imagination was the only place where I felt free. Now I'm out in the world doing all these things I've always dreamed of doing. And that's the story of how a series of fan-made films save the lives of eight people. That's cool. Man, fan-made shit is so cool. I know uh, people People always, like, rag on it because they're like, oh, like, the production values aren't great. But, like, that is not the fucking point. It's just about the enthusiasm, you know? Here, here. We're going to take a quick break, hear about something from the network, and Tom's going to tell us a story when we get on back. Do you find yourself unable to watch television? Who has the time? Well, luckily, we do. I'm Liam Sr. I'm Josh Phillips. We host a podcast where we watch old cancel TV for For you. Musty TV, every Thursday on the Major Cast Network. My father says we're crazy. My mother won't talk to me anymore. My story today is a title, Mega Fan Legends 3. Mega Man, developed and published by Capcom, was first released on the NES in 1987 and spawned one of gaming's most well-regarded and iconic franchises. As of March of 2015, the series has sold approximately 30 million copies worldwide and spans over... How many games do you think are in the Mega Man franchise, Liam? 35? 50. Yeah, I was close. The titular hero is a little blue robot boy, my son, Mega yeah, Man. my son, Mega Man. It's crazy that he's Tom's Tom Lockney III's son, yeah. Mega Man. Hello, Mega Boy. I'm Mega Man. My father is Tom Locking the Third. <laughs> there, I have no mother. I have no mother. I must scream. <laughs> he is the protector of humankind. Uh, the, oh, he's the protector of humankind. The original series. I thought it was David A. Clark. Is <laughs> the one that most readily comes to mind when the name Mega Man uh, gets invoked. It's a side scroller known for its precise platforming and extraordinary design. Super rad music, and I'd say like pretty interesting boss fights. Yeah, it's really fun and good, and yeah. just very charming. The, this this style of Mega Man is known as Mega Man Classic, and while it starts off wildly popular, interest in the series wanes as Capcom oversaturates the market with titles. From 1987 to 1998, 19 Mega Man Classic titles are released across several different platforms. That's a, that's a lot of Mega Man games, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of games to just like be jumping around and stuff, you know? I was trying to think of a way to be like, there's classic Mega Man, Diet Mega Man, <laughs> Mega Man with a Twist of Lemon. Mega Man. Oh, I mean, there literally is Mega Man Zero. That's true. Yeah. 
Lost interest in the series can partly be attributed to this oversaturation, but another culprit exists in the 3D boom of the 90s. The PlayStation was released in 95, and while the way games are developed for 3D on console at this point is often rudimentary, it instantly captures the attention of the popular gaming market. Everybody just wants to play 3D games now because we can, basically. That Z-axis, baby. Yeah. 2D falls out of favor because of this. I, like it. But who's going to lead the gorillas? That's one for all you gorillas fans out there. <laughs> and it stays that way for a very, very, very long time. Like, really, we're only still just starting to see a popular resurgence of, of 2D games, I, partly because of, like, indie gaming and, and just generally other, I mean, like, even the handheld Pokemon games are 3D now. Yeah. So with waning interest and a bold new mode of play, Capcom decides it's time to shake things up and bring the series to 3D. This results in Mega Man in the Mega Man Legends series, a series that I think is easily one of the best action-adventure franchises ever made. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it has a lot of personality, charm, and, and stellar design that is at once like unmistakably Mega Man yet distinct from that original series. The classic story format, Mega Man fights the robot masters created by the evil Dr. Wily in futuristic settings is completely abandoned. Dr. Wily Coyote? No. <laughs> <laughs> Good improv. Mega Man is now known as Mega Man Walnut. What? Yes. Mega Man Walnut? Walnut. Oh. Walnut? Walnut. Like a walnut, but you're a vampire. Yes, exactly. Or like I an want to buy some walnuts. An electric walnut. <laughs> he was found sealed in a crystal by his adoptive family. Roll his sister, Professor Beryl, his father, <laughs> and Data, his adorable robot monkey friend, who's got like a little toilet body. This is just Speed Racer. It's so funny and cute. This is literally just Speed Racer. Rather than acting as a robot protector, Mega Man and crew are diggers. What? They are archaeologists exploring the ruins of an ancient machine civilization. Gotcha. They are also pestered by the Bon family of pirates headed by Tron Bon and her iconic minion Servbots, those little blue fun Lego Lego looking boys with the, the yellow heads. I've literally never played a 3D Mega Man game in my life and learned not moments ago that they existed. Yeah, but Servbots are like a kind of, they've become almost like a, a Capcom mascot. They get lots of nods in other games. Oh, sure. In. That doesn't help me. <laughs> you know what? You got me there. The setting is sort of a post-post-apocalypse where civilization has begun to reclaim a foothold in a world devastated by a long-forgotten calamity. It the game receives moderate praise, but flagged sales-wise. Uh, regardless, a follow-up was greenlit for development. Mega Man Legends 2 is, in my opinion, one of the best games ever made. Like, I very rarely come down hard positive on a game, but like, man, I think Mega Man Legends 2 is fucking fantastic. Better than Mario Party 4. <laughs> Better than that Koopa Suave board, my guy. Soiree. Uh, oh, you know what? I, it doesn't have any jump rope mini. Actually, you know what? I think there is a jump rope mini game in Man. Mega Man Legends 2. Never mind. Better game. Better game. Does it have a jump rope mini game in it? Fucking it good does. game. It 10 sure out does. Of 10. 10 out of t uh, 12 out of 10, because Mario Party 4 is 11 oh, out of 10. Oh, yeah? 14 out of 10. Sure, but I'm just saying Mario Party 4 is canonically 11 out of 10. 16 out of 10, Skyrim with guns. <laughs> yep. It's a mod Tom and I play in our imagination. <laughs> We both have guns and we throw them at each other. <laughs> we don't know how to use guns. Yeah, because we're to a lizard and a cat. <laughs> I to use my archery bow to fling a gun at you. Skyrim is a dumb game. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, Mega Man Legends Two is has not this, a done done game. It's segue. It's incredible. It's very complex. It has all the kind of like positivity and charm of the the last game with like a little more depth and maturity to its characters. You actually see them like grow and change from the first game across the second game. I think it's really good. I think it's really good and it holds up super well for the most part. Released in 2000 for the PlayStation, Mega Man Legends 2 was positively received by both critics and fans, though, again, sales weren't quite where Capcom wanted them to be. That's so weird. It was the 139th best-selling game in Japan that year, with only 88,131 units sold, which isn't great. Capcom is a Japanese uh, development and publishing company. A lot of their market is in Japan. Despite its rabid fan base and cliffhanger ending, the Mega Man Legends franchise goes quiet for some time. Yeah, at the end of Mega Man Legends 2, uh, the, the big climax is like you you fly to the fucking moon, which also, hey, another reason, another reason <laughs> Mega Man Legends 2 is the best game ever made, because you get to go to the moon. Is Super Mario Odyssey just Mega Man Legends 2? You'd know more than I. There is that part where Mario whispers a secret into your and he goes, I'm actually Don Wapley the Third's other son. For those who couldn't hear me because I whispered on a podcast, Mario is also Tom Lockney's son. Absolutely, and so is Luigi and <laughs> Wario. Your nephew. Yeah, Wario's my nephew, and I don't know who Waluigi <laughs> is, but he's always there. He just showed up. He's <laughs> standing in the corner like in the Blair Witch Project. Uh, so at the end of Mega Man Legends 2, he's trapped on the moon, basically, and then his friends are like building a rocket ship to get him home or something like that. That's how it ends. Then, in September of 2010... Basically, basically a decade. Literally a decade. <laughs> basically a decade. Ten years is, in fact, a, a decade. Capcom announces that a third installment would be made for the Nintendo 3DS. This was both surprising and unsurprising. It's been a decade, and there were poor sales, but there actually was enough internal support for this project uh, from one of Capcom's biggest movers and shakers, Keiji Inafune, to actually like get traction. Cool. Uh, he's long involved with the Mega Man franchise from its inception, working as an illustrator and artist, and then working his way up to acting as a producer. So not only was the beloved series finally getting a continuation, Capcom also offered to let the fans take part in development, which a lot of people was, thought was really cool. No. And a lot of other people were like, this is a red flag. Uh-oh. Spagudios. Capcom created a... Trademark. Spagudios are mine. Spagudios. Yeah. Mm, are they spooky spaghettios? But spagudios are filled with gouda. <laughs> you simple man. Damn, I'd actually eat the hell out of some gouda spaghettios. Anyways. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Capcom created a dev room website so that way fans could keep in contact with the development staff and increase the transparency between the two groups of creative collaborators. I want Mega Man's dick to be visible. <laughs> Mega Man, we can't, I don't know how many times we have to tell you, Mega Man does not have a penis. He's I want to see it. I want to see is, his human penis. He is sexless. I want to see it. I want to whirl around like a helicopter at Rockman. Uh, around, I believe, 13,000 people showed up. I went to the website, uh, and it had the, the total membership at 21,722, but like, this happened in 2010. It's been eight years, and people still signed up for the website. Uh, it should be stated that the role of fans in development was not in actual coding of the game, but rather on the conceptual end in the form of writing and concept art. 
mech designs, NPC backstories and dialogue, Easter eggs, all were created by fans and then selected by Capcom. But then, Trouble in Paradise. Who could have seen this coming? We could. Just a month after the game is announced, Inafune leaves Capcom after 23 years with the intent of, quote, starting his life over. Jesus. Yeah, or starting my life over, excuse me. Starting your life personally, Tom Lockett yes. the third. Yeah, yeah. He took away all your boys. I choose I choose now to live as Tom Lockney. No, he stole all your sons and changed your life forever. This was on the heels of numerous statements that led people to believe that Inafune did not like working at Capcom. Uh, regardless, Capcom insists that development of the game would continue and assures players that a rough demo would be available to play and test on the Nintendo eShop in 2011. It's meant to actually uh, coincide with the launch of the 3DS eShop in June. But as often happens, uh, the, the demo was delayed for improvements. There's actually a lot of information out there concerning what was supposed to be in this demo, largely due to the mostly transparent nature of the game's development. We know that Capcom communicated to fans the notion that the sales of this game demo would be the litmus test for continued development on the project. Uh, we know that there were opening levels, bosses. We know that there were uh, story beats, all those known factors because of the dev room. And then uh, we all knew this was coming on July of 18. Uh, July President 18th. Abraham Lincoln was shot at Ford's Theater. July 18th. By Mega Man. By Mega Man. Yeah, and he turned into Ash because he got shot with, like, a laser beam. They don't teach you enough about that in history, personally. Yeah, so a month after the demo was supposed to release, Capcom officially canceled the game. There were plenty of reasons why they may have canceled the project that I've already discussed, but there is another factor that is not mentioned often. The March 2011 earthquake and tsunami that hit Japan had a huge Ooh. impact yeah, yeah, on the nation's economy. In fact, it's one of the factors attributed to the cancellation of another Mega Man title, Mega Man Universe. Capcom Europe's Twitter blamed the fans for not working hard enough on the game. Good move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good what job. Man, you know what I love about gamers is how is how real thick-skinned they are. Yeah, they're going to take that criticism to heart. Yeah. Well, and that's also like a totally ludicrous claim because these were fans giving giving Capcom their fucking free labor and yeah. not all of it was even getting used. Capcom was like, yes, Give us your mech designs. Right back. <laughs> Bring us your us. mechs. You're yeah. hungry and you're more mechs. And we'll pick it up and we're going to use maybe about 10% of it. Now we're done. Yeah. Bye-bye. There was fan backlash, obviously, for lots of reasons. <laughs> they weren't happy about it? <laughs> yeah. There wasn't a parade? Oh, man. Games get canceled at this stage all the time. Like, not even a year of development had passed. I mean, that's, that's just like... Uh, a reality of, of game dev and I, I think even just like creation like I'm sure musician I mean like I know I have like a million half written songs that I just have abandoned because I got like eh maybe not this <laughs> I'm just rewriting all of Genesis' songs oh, damn it I wrote I wrote the the entire soundtrack to Rent again again why do I keep uh, doing this I put pen to paper and all I get is Rent uh, there was a fan petition a hundred thousand strong for bringing back <laughs> Mega Man Legends it did reach uh, its goal in April of 2012 another fan well, it outcry. has to work now they had to have the petition they did it they did it what's great about petitions and like change.org stuff is that it works every time other fan outcry included unity representations of what the game might look like, art, fan games, and uh, one YouTube user pulled together uh, angered fans and they sang, oh no, I forgot about this. They sang an altered version of Do You Hear the People Sing from the hit musical Les Miserables. 
Hang on, hang on. Are you gonna look for the song? I think I found it. Oh, hell yeah. It's called uh, By That Dash Kid. Oh, man. I can't uh, do it! I more, can't more. do it! Give me more! Okay, pause. Ugh. It is two minutes and ten seconds. How it many? Is... It has forty-eight thousand views. No, it sure does. It it. Uh... They're doing. Do they? You hear the people sing about Capcom not making Mega Man Legends? It's 3. a video game, kid. They didn't get it for ten years. For ten years, they were fine without this game. But no, this is why gamers shouldn't be allowed to play video games. That's two. Ugh. Several fan projects have been made and released, but of course lack the polish and official stamp we would have seen from a sanctioned Capcom title. Uh, fortunately, however, Capcom doesn't seem interested in filing copyright against these projects, so Mega Man Legends 3 does live on in a way. Always be, always be suspicious. <sighs> always be closing your laptop. Always be <laughs> closing your web browser when you pull up that video. Yeah. Do you hear the people sing? Uh, yeah, yeah. It should always be a red flag to people when fans uh, are gonna get involved. When it's not when not necessarily even when fans are gonna get involved, but when uh, developers are like, make our game for us. Yeah, we're not gonna compensate you. Hey, hey, the fans, help us write. Help us write. Do you hear the people sing? But for Mega Man Legends, we will thank you at the end. Um. So every week, sometimes we talk about bummer stuff, and sometimes I have to. I have to feel embarrassed by video games just constantly. So we like to balance that out with a little segment we call the Self-Care Corner, uh, where we talk about a nice thing that happened in our days, our weeks, or our lives. Liam, would you like to go first? I did an escape the room. It was spooky and scary, and we were really close, but we died. Aw. So it was my birthday on Thursday? I'm 24 now. Uh, I can feel my body failing a little bit more right? and more each day, but I still am very young and have have a ways to go. So death is slow. Um, but I played. Yeah, I'm not that slow. <laughs> oh God, I gotta lay down. Oh God, he's in here. This oh. room is really yeah. No, it's there's a guy next door. I just needed a glass of water. Um, oh, yeah. this is a self-care corner. Can I do one? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Death, why don't you do a self-care corner? This well, is a good idea. Mine's not even done yet, so you you can keep going. We're one day closer to Donald Trump's death. That's true. Henry Kissinger's Pokemon going to die soon. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. <laughs> Bye, uh, Death. <laughs> later. When I played Edith Finch on my birthday, and I don't know, like, I, I like birthdays are weird for me because they're just, like, I mean, it's impossible on, on a birthday to not kind of, like, retrospect about your life and to think about, like, the traumatic things that have happened to you. And Edith Finch is just kind of a game about, like, the, the sort of, like, inescapability of trauma and, like, really trying to appreciate the present moment. And it was kind of, like, exactly what I needed uh, to experience on my birthday. And it was just kind of a very uh, nice, profound little experience uh, given to me by w one of the best video games I've ever played. Holy fucking shit, that game's so good. And again, the chuckles don't stop coming <laughs> with Game Sparrow's hilarious new adventure, Giant What Sparrow. Remains. Giant Sparrow's hilarious new adventure, 
What Remains of Edith Finch? The Seinfeld of Games, I'm calling it. All right, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Media Majors. Catch us next week. Uh, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter at Media Majors Cast. Oh wait, we have to do a thing because a thing happened and we made a promise. We got a new Twitter follower. Oh yeah, he works at the BBC. I think <laughs> oh, he followed. Okay. He followed you, me, Eric, Jane, and the show. Oh man, let's give him a shout out. Yeah. Is 88,000, and every single one of the 88,000 people he's following. Marshall Julius. Hey, buddy. Are you listening? We hope are you are. You? If you are, thank Thanks. you. Um, if you like the show, Julius, uh, leave us a rating or review, or both, preferably both, on iTunes. It helps uh, the podcast increase visibility. Um, Listen to the other shows that are on the network. Absolutely. We've been hyping it up forever, but I think finally, 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 we'll be getting the new episode of the filmography. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't believe it. Oh, no, it's never I think it's going to be at the point. Disney Vault. Yeah, no, it's the, ha- it's the Half-Life 3 of Major Cash. Sure is. Um, there was something else I wanted to say. and Oh, send us those pictures of Sonic's feet. Please. And as always... We'll be there for you. For shoe? Get out. Sonic's get out. Choose. Gotta go. Get out. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.